Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dinner time is here. That's right. We're talking about Hannibal Season 2, Episode 4 on Dish by Dish. Well, greetings and salutations, and that's your old pal, Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from the Baltimore Institute for the Criminally Insane. This is Dish by Dish, Kill by Kills, uh, every other week episode recap of Hannibal. Uh, we're currently in season two, episode four, entitled Takayo I think. I, I am terrible. Uh, my my um, apologies. <laughs> to anyone who actually speaks Japanese has uh, just heard me butcher your language and culture. My see, apologies. See, this is why, this is why, you know, if I order food in a language I'm not comfortable with, I just point at the menu. Well, that is the one, that is the really nice thing about eating out in Japan is that all the menus have pictures and you just point. You don't ask for something to be substituted. You just go, I'll have that. And they bring it to you, and it looks like that, and you eat it, and it's fun. Uh, of course, there's only one person I trust that if I start to feel the old aches and pains, she'll make sure to give me a lobotomy and send me out to the park so I can walk pain-free. The one, the only, Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing today, Gina? I mean, it's really the least I can do for you. It really is when you think about it. Deep down, isn't that what we all want to just be pain free and wander around in a park without our eyeballs? I mean, you know, we're both in our we're both in our late forties. You know, <laughs> it, 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 it's you know, you know, rare is a day where you know something doesn't hurt. You yeah, know, it's it, very, it, it's, very it, true. it's a knee or you know your back or you know a random finger for some reason. They, they, they just <laughs> things just start hurting. For no good yeah. reason. And and sometimes I would think, you know, if I had to give up my eyeballs to, to you know, not have some weird random pains anymore, yeah. my, eyes don't, my eyes don't work so good anyway. So, I mean, yeah. all right. I mean, I don't, yeah. know about the, I don't know about the scaring small children in parks thing, but. <laughs> well, he doesn't know that he's scaring a small child in a park. She just turns him around and he's like, hey, who dare? He just, looked like, he, he just looked like he's wearing a Halloween mask. Yeah. Oh man, it is really grody. Yeah, I we, I gotta say that this is this is up there with, among the more gruesome episodes, and, and it's actually not even that bloody. No. But I, I do have to tell people that if you're doing a watch along and you've not you've not watched this before, mm-hmm. uh, if you have a needle phobia, yeah, avoid. If you're one of those people who don't like uneven holes being put all over something oh this is yeah not, this yeah is not that's something you want to be watching no i mean there are some juicy close-ups of needles going into skin several times so this is an interesting transitional thing uh with the show where it's it's both trying to tie up some loose ends but also deliver you know the killer of the week still although it's not really the, it very much is the B, even one might say the C plot of the episode. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's just sort of to be the parallel to Jack's wife talking about wanting to, to commit suicide because she is dying. Yes. Um, And then this other, this uh, acupuncture therapist who is played by Amanda Plummer, who I absolutely love because every single role she plays, she is absolutely batshit in them. 
And I, I just love that. She's like, she's like, I, I, I can't believe this hasn't happened yet, but I want to see her and Crispin Glover play brother and sister in a movie. Oh my God. That would be great. Because they both have that same absolutely unsettling energy to them. They're untethered. In a, in yeah, they're in both a, they're both just they're both just existing in a completely different plane than the rest of us. Yes, they're they're on a different orbit. Yes, they're human beings, but mm, there's, but there's something they, about though? the way they talk that, <laughs> that you're kind of like, mm, I don't know. You might not be on the same plane of existence as we are right now. Um, yeah, she is guilty on sight, <laughs> and once caught, does not even come close to uh trying to hide it she's just like oh i knew you guys were gonna show up eventually yeah, yeah. she's like she's like i'm trying to help these people <laughs> you listen life sucks for them sometimes you just got to give them a lobotomy and stick some bees in their head <laughs> turn them into a turn them into a beehive like just die knowing that like now there's bees the bees will live in your head and they make delicious honey not that i'm gonna try it because that's even weird for me the person who put bees in that semi-dead body <laughs> one thing i really like about this show is it, it, it really promotes upcycling it really does i mean you've got you, you've got you know hannibal you know kills people you know eats them got yes. uh you know you've got the other character who kills people turns them into art uh, or makes a cello out of them makes a or, cello you got this this kill this killer who kills people turns them into beehives or you know, makes it, it, mushrooms out of them yeah it's really it's really just you know you know so many serial killers in real life they just like you know leave bodies in ditches they don't do anything <laughs> they don't do anything with them I mean, you know, other than the typical serial killer stuff, but you know, yeah. they, they, they don't make good use out of, out of the bodies afterwards. No, no. And I think the one that really stands apart from all of this is the episode from season one, in which she steals children and then I was, sends them back to kill their family. I was just thinking about that and the chill that ran down my spine, but thinking back about that episode. It's just, it's so disturbing. Gina, sometimes, sometimes it just uh, jumps up into my head when I do not want it to be there and I'll never be the same. I had not, I, I think I said it at the time, like I obviously it hadn't aired and I think I'd seen highlights from it uh, online, but I'd never seen the full episode. And I think about it too much now. It's buried in there and it worms its way out. Yeah, that is, that is the definition of unsettling. Yeah, very much so. So that's our, our C plot, right? And, you know, it exists. It's disturbing. I wouldn't even it's say, I wouldn't even say, I wouldn't even say it's a D plot because you've got a lot, there's a lot going on in this episode. You've got, truly, you get to deal with the central will plot. You've got Beverly, who is, you know, going off and doing the Nancy Drew thing, breaking several laws, mind you, <laughs> that, you know, that any evidence that she, if, if she were to make it out of this, mm-hmm. which I'm not going to say either way for benefit of the people who are watching along for the first time. Yeah. Any any evidence that she is collecting is going to be thrown right out. <laughs> and, and, then, <laughs> and it is remarkable that she does not either realize this or care. So you've got that. And then you've got, uh, Jack's wife, who yeah. is you know, rapidly declining from her her. This is the first time we've seen her since 
gosh, maybe episode three or four of the first season. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'd say like mid-season last season is where she was kind of introduced and kind of had a three to four episode run and then is kind of like benched. And this is, we're yeah, reintroducing she's been, She's apparently been just dying that whole time. And, and, yeah. and, you know, she's about, you know, she's near the end, but, you know, to no surprise, Jack is very stubborn about letting her go. Convinced her to get, you know, uh, she's uh, in, in chemotherapy. So she's agreed to do something. She was already, res, uh, you know, she was against it because she had seen her mother, you know, also battle lung cancer and knew that this was not going to, it, it was a death sentence and she did not want to elongate that death sentence. She just wanted to be consumed by it. And in this episode, man, holy shit. Like if you, Hannibal pulls one of the, I think one of his biggest dick moves of the entire series here. Yep. He does a uh, little, he does a little Anton Chigger thing and flips a coin and decides he is not going to, to, to grant her the death she has requested. And if you had residual, you know, there are a lot of things I like about this version of Hannibal Lecter. But this is one of those things where he's, he's, he hasn't been outwardly cruel necessarily, or at least we haven't seen that, but this is outwardly cruel. Yeah. And well, we don't know what side of the coin he's chosen before he plays the heads or tails game here. But I think at the end of the day, he decides to fuck with Jack. He knows, like, if he throws Jack off his game, he's safe for a little bit longer because Jack will be consumed by this other thing. And keeping her alive allows him to do that. Right. Yeah, because Jack probably, you know, Hannibal has probably sussed Jack out to be the kind of person that in order to deal with his grief or not deal with it, depending on how you look at it, he's going to, you know, throw himself into his job. As a result, like... If the longer that Jack is on the job, the less safe he is. Yeah, he's going to uh, catch up. He's going to catch up with him eventually. Yes, and we've been told he's going to catch up with him eventually. Right. So that that's the sort of genius about putting this ticking clock in motion, is that we see what Hannibal is willing to do to still remain outside of the uh, gun sites of the FBI. Uh, and he has the access to do that because the FBI has invited him in. Right. She pours her heart out to him about how, like, she's chosen this path and how it's the best thing for her and is the best thing for him. And while it might be selfish to a certain degree, it's something that she's of the right mind to make this decision and it's hers to make. And he kind of goes, nope. I'm going to inject you full of drugs and keep you awake and send you to the hospital. Yep. And she smacks the fuck out of him. And I love it. And, and, Jack, and Jack just looks confused. Yeah. I assume, I don't, do you, do you think Hannibal anticipated her being that angry? Or do you think that he was like, ah, I'm going to take it because I'll still look to Jack like I'm the hero here. I don't know. That's a good question. Because there's, you can say it, you can look at it in two ways. One, he doesn't anticipate 
that Bella is as angry about the situation as she turns out to be because she had made a determination and gone out of her way to put herself into a place where she would with relatively pain free, you know, commit suicide and his arbitrary decision to, you know, outmaneuver that is the ultimate violation and but he also gets to crow in a certain way to Jack. See, your wife was going to die and I saved her life. Right. And right, so right. Yeah. You you get to fuck with Jack's head and fuck with Jack in a, a, a number of ways in by intervening in the situation. It's just it's all coming up roses for him on this front, but not not so much in the other ways. No, because he, I think he maybe underestimated Beverly a little bit. I think so. I, I think he felt like she would be angry, but she wouldn't. In a way, I think he felt like she would be too proud to admit what she attempted to do. And well, she's like, fuck it. Well, also, like at one point um, they're talking and she speculates something about, um, they call him the um, the muralist. Yes. So they're calling the, the the killer who uh, mm-hmm. arranges all the bodies into some sort of like art display. Hannibal says to her, you know, something like, when you open your mouth, I hear I hear Will Graham's voice coming out of it. Yeah, and it almost sounds a little disparaging, like like you know, <laughs> like, like like he's being condescending. You know, you're only you're only spouting off what Will is telling you. Yes. But but well, she's not, you know. Like, <laughs> I mean, she's she's coming to these conclusions. I mean, she is consulting with Will. But most of the conclusions she comes to, she comes to on her own. And, and, and Hannibal doesn't seem to know that. Yeah, we discussed this a little bit in, in the past couple episodes that of the sort of triangle of, of, of investigators within the FBI who are like physical evidence people, she's the one who's the most like a cop. Right. She just, she's got a gut. And she follows evidence and she's led by evidence, but she also is the one who kind of listens to her experience and takes small leaps. And if she can find evidence that backs those things up, she's just going to, she's going to, she's like a, a bloodhound. She's going to continue to sniff out that trail. And she is warned. Will does say like the, you, you are playing with fire here because if he anticipates that you have any idea that he's a possible suspect, you are in danger. And she's kind of like, I think I can take care of myself. And in almost 99.9% of circumstances, Beverly could take care of herself. I don't think that that's going to happen with uh, Hannibal Lecter, however. Yeah, he's like, he's like Kubrick staring her down when, uh, <laughs> when they finally encounter each other again at the end of the episode. Yes, she should not be in his house. No, she should not. She should not have been collecting evidence in a house that she does not have legal clearance to be in. No, she should not be breaking and entering into his murder basement. There's a whole lot of no there. But we also, the way this show plays with your expectations of the things that you know about. And here we get this other Silence of the Lambs style reference of being lured into a basement and someone turning off all the lights to attack you. Uh, we don't see it in the same way. It's alluded to, but 
I love when it plays with that, with your expectations. Like this, this show is just fucking smart. Yes. And, and I'd really, I, I do, and it, and it could be contrived in, in, if not, if it was you know, in the wrong hands, but I do like how a lot of the subplots parallel each other in some way. Yeah. Uh, I, I like how the acupuncturist, she is telling them that, you know, she has killed these men because she is trying to help them be free of their pain which is you know parallel to jack and his wife that she wants to be free of her pain and then there's the investigation both in will's mind and the investigation on the outside by beverly where they're just they're they're pulling a thread they're fishing (laughs) uh and we the episode opens on Will in his mind palace, uh, giving Abigail fishing lessons. Yeah, we have um, uh, we have appearances by Abigail and um, uh, Eddie Izzard's character. <laughs> For some reason, I'm like a lizard. There's Eddie Izzard. <laughs> uh, that that would be my failing hearing uh, ah. at fault there. Yeah, getting old, great. It's just <laughs> Super the best. I have five stars. A plus 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 plus. Uh, we're mummies. Anyways, um, yeah, we get little flashbacks to season one episodes where now Will, oddly enough, with the help of Dr. Chilton, is actually unlocking how Hannibal sort of set him up so expertly, taking advantage of his encephalitis to actually plant evidence put him in a place places where he couldn't explain, create blackouts, worsen his condition. And we saw this, but we'll never knew it now by doctor. And the, the, the crazy thing is here. And I use uh, my apologies for using the word crazy. The wild components of this are Chilton is one of the reasons that Eddie Izzard's character was in the, the circumstance he was because he was psychic driving him to believe that he was the Chesapeake Ripper. And oddly enough, Hannibal's like, hey, good idea. And like, but of course, his worked out infinitely better. Well, yeah, he's just in- injecting Will with shit and hypnotizing him. And, and it's it's pretty wild. Yeah. And but of course Chilton like drop. <laughs> Will goes. The only thing I ask is you don't tell Hannibal Lecter. And he's like okay. And instantly, once Hannibal's in the room, he can't fucking stop himself. It's like that. It's like that old gag of like of like like you can't tell anybody. You have to swear to me you won't tell anybody. Okay, mm-hmm. I won't tell anybody. And they go out the door. Hey guys, guess what? He totally thinks you did it. And I kind of think you did it too, because we both know that we're unscrupulous fucks. <laughs> and we have to, and us scumbags got to stick together. <laughs> Chilton's really going to have it coming. And I relish it every fucking time. It's yeah, I, I, can't, I can't get over how much he's put through. <laughs> But how much he fucking asked for it, though, Gina. That's oh, oh no, for thing. sure, for sure, for sure. It's just, it just it just becomes comical. It's the the wild fucking thing about it is that like he keeps sticking his head into the tiger's cage, thinking surely this time I can outwit this tiger, and he keeps losing parts of himself every single fucking time he does it. And I he and never I, fucking. And, and I think. All for it's sort of like you know, it baffles me in the same way that that 
that Freddie Lowndes' character trajectory baffles me in that Chilton, I guess, wants to become a famous psychiatrist. And and, yes. and, I, and I'm thinking, like, okay, like, what what is a famous psychiatrist? Like, does he, like, does he want, like, a Dr. Phil-style talk show or... or like, like, what is the the fame that comes in being like an expert on, you know, one particular notorious murder case? I think it's that you end up as a talking head on your cable news channels. So yeah, he does what, want to be like a Doctor Phil type thing, right? He wants to be invited to the Today Show. He wants to write a book. He wants to. I mean, he could write a book. You know, <laughs> <laughs> if he had any talent, yes, he could write a book. But that that is his path to dollar sign, dollar sign, dollar sign. He's not quite as out of it as Bad News Cruz, who can't fucking monetize someone with telekinetic abilities. <laughs> you know, it's like, but it's like Freddie Lowndes. It's like, okay, Freddie, where are you going to, how, how far do you see you take, you know, murderstab.com? I think she is almost at the pinnacle of where she can take murderstab.com <laughs> as far as a business proposition is like, she's not working a day job. She is, you know, funded enough to actually pursue serial killers online and make a, a living she's at get, that. Getting that, she's getting that sweet me on these money. Yeah. And she wants to be involved like that. I think she just wants to be, consulted that's the ego boost out of this is that her mental prowess and investigation ability is valued at the same level as the behavioral science unit at the fbi that's what she wants it's a it's not necessarily a business goal it's a megalomaniac goal yeah i'm just thinking you, you they, they could have gone just gone ahead and you know gotten these jobs <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't think Freddie would be allowed anywhere near that level of the FBI. Well, I mean, That's if she had the, started from the beginning, if she had taken an honest path, sure. you, you know, she, she could have been doing that. She's not stupid. She's not stupid. She, she does have flamboyant outfits and, and a hat fetish that really should be checked. Like, she's not hiding it. And I, I, I the the problem with this, the kind of craven animals that dr chilton and freddie lounge are is that they can't hide their craven natures right where whereas people within the fbi have just as much pride and ego involved and yet they can work within a team structure and freddie cannot and dr chilton cannot even hannibal lecter can work as part of a team and they cannot that's what it comes down to Right, 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 right. But yeah, when when uh, when when Will is you know, offering, it's like, oh, you know, you're gonna be my number one psychiatrist. <laughs> I, I like you know, again, it's a little seductive. Yeah. Um. You know, it's kind of like you know, we're gonna be exclusive now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna see anybody else but you. And, are are and, they going to be a quote unquote official couple? Yes, they are going to be an official couple, and 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 <laughs> Chilton is like licking his chops in anticipation. He really is. He can't fucking hide it. He just, he wants to get his teeth into something that will lift him out of the situation he has found himself in. He, he wants to be as fancy as Hannibal Lecter, but he's not. He, he just isn't. He wants to be as talented as Will Graham, but he is not. Both of them are 
just on a lower level and are more than willing to break and bend any rule they possibly can in a craven attempt to lift them above their quote-unquote station. And I don't mean this in terms of class. I mean this in terms of talent. Right. You know, they, they it, it is, you know, it's, it's particularly difficult for them to, to be resigned to where they are in life because, you know, I, I don't know if they, they necessarily know they should be in the higher standing, but they, they certainly feel they should be. They, they feel destined to, and it is only the, the peons of the world and terrible luck and the conspiring of, you know, the FBI and the deep state that has kept them down at this point. And it's like, no, man, it just we, you, you can smell the desperation on you. Like the fear is you wear it like an aura. Are, are you trying and, to say? Are you trying to say that that uh, that Chilton was a Trump voter? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. I, mean, I don't know who I don't know who 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 submitted that vote for him, but you know, mm-hmm. when he's pretty much you know a head in a jar by the, by the end <laughs> of the series. <laughs> I mean, I guess I guess if you put like you know he could probably like yo know, yo know, use his nose or something. Yeah, I'm sure he he has like a straw through his uh, that he can manipulate through his teeth that reaches out from the jar. <laughs> oh man! I'm only, I only I want our audience to know I'm only slightly exaggerating. <laughs> oh my god! Well, we will get there. We shall get there. But there's so much more to talk about in each and every episode of Dish by Dish and Hannibal. Uh, next Dish by Dish. Uh, We'll be talking about episode five um, and we might even have a special guest. So uh, stay tuned for that. Um, And then, of course, next week will be more kill by kill. So uh, for myself and for Gina, the body count will continue. Bye, everybody. Bye.